this is a series of talks about objective consciousness, an objective universe, and an objective way to wake up. It is primarily based on the works of George I. Gurdjieff and Russell A. Smith, and aims to cut through the swathes of subjectivity that cloud our evolution and journey through life. Each episode in this series focuses upon a particular element of their teachings and aims to bring simple understanding to what was frequently hidden in plain sight within the various subject areas of the fourth way. In our last talk, we began a four-part discussion concerning the harmonic nature of the universe. In part one, we found the duality. Today, in part two, we will discover oscillations. In this discussion, as in the last, diagrams will be necessary. They can be found on our website, thedogteachings.com, by clicking on the link shown in the description of the podcast. So, pause, find the diagrams, print them off if you would like, and let's begin. In our last podcast, we examined the mathematics of the duality and explored So's and Me's range of existence. We saw how Do 96, which entered at So 96, could either ascend to Do 192 or descend to Do 48. And how Do 48, which entered at Me 48, could either ascend to Do 96 or descend to Do 24. We also saw, in So's range of existence, that there was the plus two-thirds ascending force and the minus one-third descending force emanating from Do 96, and a second plus two-thirds ascending force coming from Do 48. When we added up those three lines of force, plus two-thirds, minus one-third, and plus two-thirds, we found that they totaled plus one. Then, we saw, in Mi's range of existence, that there was the plus two-thirds ascending force and the minus one-third descending force emanating from Do 48, and a second minus one-third descending force coming from Do 96. When we added up those three lines of force, plus two-thirds, minus one-third, and minus one-third, we found they totaled zero. Now, let us compare these lines of force to the structure of an atom. You probably already know that protons and neutrons contain smaller constituents called quarks. But did you know that the proton has three quarks, two up quarks and one down quark, and that up quarks have a positive two-thirds electrical charge, and the down quark has a negative one-third electrical charge? and it is the charges of those quarks that give the proton a charge of plus one. Wow! That is exactly what we see in So's range of existence. Did you know that the neutron has three quarks as well? Two down quarks and one up quark, and that down quarks have a negative one-third electrical charge, and the up quark has a positive two-thirds electrical charge and it is the charges of those quarks that give the neutron no charge at all. If you didn't, 
double wow. That is exactly what we see in Mi's range of existence. So's and Mi's ranges of existence not only reveal the structure of the proton and neutron, but also the charges of their quarks, explaining why the proton is positive and the neutron is neutral. Pretty amazing stuff. In addition, we find that atoms can be at three distinct energy levels. But, after 13.8 billion years, 99% of them are in the lowest one, the one with up and down quarks. However, using particle accelerators, scientists have been able to force atoms into the two higher energy levels and, by so doing, have discovered that there are four other types of quarks. Thus, all in all, there are six types of quarks. They are called up and down in the lowest energy level, strange and charm in the middle energy level, and top and bottom in the highest energy level. The atoms in the two higher energy levels create the same matter as in the lowest energy level. That is, hydrogen is still hydrogen. But the atoms in the middle energy level have more energy because their quarks are spinning. And those in the upper energy level have even more energy because their quarks are not only spinning but also orbiting. But that's it. There are only six types of quarks. Up and down, strange and charm, and top and bottom. Three levels, each with two quarks. Now, let us look at the model of octaves to see if we can find these higher levels of energy. There they are. What? Where? They can easily be seen if we remember that octaves always appear in packages of three. Lower, middle and upper. That is, if we made two copies of the diagram called Mathematics of the Duality and then pasted them above the original, the two higher levels would suddenly appear before our eyes. Voila! The lowest contains up and down quarks, the middle, strange and charm quarks, and the upper, top and bottom quarks. Thus, they are easy to find. Remarkable. Scientists have discovered some pretty cool things. That is, they did figure out that there are six types of quarks. But, since they do not understand the law of octaves, they depict the proton and neutron as each having three quarks, two ups and one down in the proton, and two downs and one up in the neutron. Together, that made six. Three plus three. They see six. Whereas, I see only four. I see two quarks coming from the proton, one up and one down, and two quarks coming from the neutron, one up and one down. Together, that makes four, two plus two. But, since the proton and neutron share the middle octave, the area Mr. Smith calls the meso-area of coincidence it looks as if they each have three. So, together, 
It may look like there are six, but in truth, there are only four. Extremely amazing stuff. Another good model of dualities can be found in the orbitals of an atom. Each orbital can have two electrons. Only two of them. One has spin up, and the other has spin down. Again, a duality. In addition, there are two places of existence in scale zero. One at so, and one at me. Therefore, there are six places of existence in scale one, because there are six so's and me's in scale one, which explains why there are six leptons, the tau, the muon, the electron, the tau neutrino, the muon neutrino, and the electron neutrino. Then, with further investigation, we could find their quarks as well. When we did, we would see that the electron has three down quarks, minus one-third, minus one-third, and minus one-third, which give the electron its electrical charge of minus one. But I will not dazzle you with that investigation because I want to get back to the main focus of this podcast. Finding oscillations. Okay, moving forward. But first, a quick review. First, the forces were separated. Second, the octave became diatonic aligning three of its notes with the separated forces. Third, we thoroughly explored the octave of one of those forces. However, we have not considered the influence that the other forces will have on the octave we have been exploring. So, let's do that now. There are three forces in every octave. Three does. One do is at do, one do is at la, and one do is at far. To begin, let's make the force at do a positive force, and the force at far a negative force. If we do, we will understand why the force at la is a neutral force. Why? Because the la is dead center between the do and the far, where the positive and negative forces meet and cancel each other out. Thus, making La a truly neutral force. Okay, we just explained why neutrons are neutral, which is clearly evident in the world of atoms. That is, neutrons do not play a role in determining the element nor its properties. It is the number of protons in the nucleus that determines the element, and the number of electrons in the outermost shell that determines its properties. Thus, the neutron has no influence at all, except for allowing heavier elements to be built. It is important for you to understand Lars' neutrality. If you do, you will understand why it does not participate in the dynamics we will now be exploring. That is, the dynamics between the dough that lives at dough and the dough that lives at far. Okay, let's begin. There is obviously a dough at dough. And, as we previously stated, there is a doe at la and a doe at far. Question. Are the does at la and far different? 
Answer. No. Write this down. It is an important thing to remember. In fact, you should have it tattooed on your forehead. All does are created equal. Abraham Lincoln said that, or something like that. Okay, I was kidding about the tattooed part, and about the Abraham Lincoln part, but not about the rest. All does are created equal. Got it? Also, write this down. All forces are affirming forces. We talked about this earlier, but it is also relevant here. There is no such thing as a denying force. No such thing. In the universe, there are no denying forces. Denying forces do not exist. In the universe, there are no reconciling forces. Reconciling forces do not exist. All forces are affirming forces, and all forces are those. Need proof? Okay. You get on that side of the room and run towards me, and I will get on the other side of the room and run towards you. When we meet, it may look like somebody is denying somebody, but, in truth, it is just the collision of two affirming forces. Two does. Do you understand? Okay. Before we explore the dynamics between the doe that lives at doe and the doe that lives at far, we will make one more assertion. All forces want to double or half. That is, to either ascend or descend. For example, if you are a doe at some number, number x, you would want to ascend x up, which would double you or descend half x down, which would half you. Thus, if you had the mathematical value of 40, what would you want to do? If you answered go up 40, or down 20, you are correct. All does are just like you. If some doe was 64, it would want to go up 64, or down 32. If it was 100, it would want to go up 100, or down 50. I repeat, all does are created equal, and all does want to do what every other doe wants to do. Now, let's look at the dynamics between the doe that exists at doe 48, and the does that exist at far 64 and far 32. When doe 48 tries to ascend or descend, what do you think is going to happen when it encounters the does which live at the far above it and the far below it? Not sure? The best way to find out, and just for fun, is to make you the doe which lives at doe 48. It would be good to write this on the enlarged diagram that shows me's range of existence. That is, to actually place the mathematics of what we are now going to explain on it. Okay, as you are now doe 48, what do you want to do? If you said, go 48 up or 24 down, you are correct. So, 
Put the number 48 on the diagram, to the right of the 48 that is already there, and next to it put a little arrow pointing up. Then, to the right of that, put the number 24 with the little arrow pointing down. These numbers show that you, Mr. Doe 48, have two potentials, either 48 up or 24 down. Okay, what would you like to try first? Up or down? Mr. Smith has never had a student who wanted to go down first, so I will assume that you said up. So, you, Mr. Doe 48, are at 48, and you assert from that place a force of 48 up, 48 pounds of pressure going up. When you go up from Doe 48 to Ray 54, you consume six of your pounds of force. So, on the diagram, put minus six in the interval between the Doe 48 and the Ray 54 to show that it required six pounds of your force for you to traverse the first interval. When you reach 54, you have how many pounds of force left? If you said 42, good mathematics. Put a 42 to the right of 54, with a little arrow pointing up, indicating that you have 42 pounds of force left. Looking good. Okay. You are now at Ray 54 and have 42 pounds of force still going up. You then go from Ray 54 to Me 60. How many pounds of force does it take for you to go from Ray 54 to Me 60? Another six. Correct. Put minus six in the interval between Ray 54 and Me 60. Okay, you lose another six. So, when you reach Me 60, how many pounds of force do you have left? Let's see. 42 minus 6 equals 36. Correct. Put a 36 to the right of 60, with a little arrow pointing up. You now have 36 pounds of force still going up. To go from Me 60 to Far 64, it takes how many pounds of force? Let's see. 60 to 64 is 4. Put minus 4 in the interval between me 60 and far 64. You lose another 4. Thus, when you reach far 64, you have how many pounds of force left? Let's see. 36 minus 4 is 32. Good job. Put a 32 to the right of 64 with a little arrow pointing up. Still looking good. However, what always lives at far 64? A doe 64. Aha! What enters at far 64? A doe 64. I wanted you to say it twice, because I wanted it to sink in. Okay. What is the value of the dough that enters at far 64? 64, of course. And what does dough 64 want to do? Go 64 up or 32 down? Good. 
And what do you think is going to happen when your 32 up encounters that 32 down? It will be cancelled out, annihilated and stopped. Yikes. Put a 32 with a little arrow pointing down to the right of the 32 which has the arrow pointing up to show that you get stopped. 32 against 32. You can now see why folks call the FAR a denying force. But the FAR is not a denying force. Nobody is a denying force. Nobody intentionally denies anybody. It is just the interaction of two affirming forces. Two does. Think of it this way. One tiger lives here and another tiger lives there. They avoid going into each other's territories. Why? Potentially they could, but instead they mark a tree in the middle which says if you come over here we are going to fight. One or both of us may be killed. So stay on your side of the tree. Do not come past my mark. To help students better understand the truth of this, Mr. Smith sometimes uses this model. Imagine we have a PVC pipe with a little aperture in the middle which allows us to blow in air. Then, if we put a ping pong ball in the pipe and blow air into the aperture, the ping pong ball gets blown out the end of the pipe. And, if we joined two different size pipes together and were able to adjust the air that blew into the joint, we could get 48 pounds of force going one way and 24 pounds of force going the other. That is, with the same amount of air pressure, the ping pong ball would travel faster in a small diameter pipe and slower in a large diameter pipe. In addition, the ping pong ball would lose force as it moves. That is, some of the air would flow around the ball, decreasing the force of the push. Now, imagine that the ping pong ball was shooting along the pipe but, at a certain point, when the pressure was down to 32 pounds of force, there was another aperture blowing in 32 pounds of air in the opposite direction. What would happen to the ping-pong ball? It gets stopped. It not only gets stopped, but it hovers. 32 pounds of pressure going one direction against 32 pounds of pressure going the other. OK, back to the DOE 48. Since DOE 48 cannot go up, let's us see if it can go down. We again start at DOE 48 with 24 pounds of force going down, as indicated by the little arrow next to the 24. OK, let's see how far you get this time. You go from DOE 48 to T45. When you do, you lose how much of your 24 down? 3. Again, write minus 3 in the interval. When you reach T45, you have how much left? 21. Put a 21 to the right of T45, directly below the 24, with a little arrow pointing down. Next, 
you go from T45 to La40. When you do, you lose how much? 5. Put minus 5 in the interval. When you reach La40, you have how much left? 16. Put a 16 to the right of La40 directly below the 21, with the little arrow pointing down. Then, you go from La40 to So36, and lose how many? 4. Put minus 4 in the interval. When you reach So36, you have how much left? 12. Put a 12 next to the 36, directly below the 16, with the little arrow pointing down. Then, you go from So36 to Far32, and lose how many? Another 4. Put minus 4 in the interval. When you reach Far32, you have how much left? 8. Put an 8 to the right of Far32, directly below the 12, with the little arrow pointing down. Hey look, you are, again, at the note Far. And guess who lives at the note Far? A doe. And what is the value of that doe? Doe 32. And what does doe 32 want to do? Go 32 up or 16 down? And what do you think is going to happen when your 8 down encounters that 32 up? It will not only get stopped, but repelled back up. Put a 32 with a little arrow pointing up to the right of the 8, which has an arrow pointing down, to show that you not only get stopped, but repelled. 32 against 8. It was different at Fast 64. There, things were cancelled evenly. 32 down against 32 up. But, at Far 32, both your 8 as well as 8 of the 32 gets annihilated, which means only 24 of the 32 is pushing you back up. Mr. Smith calls this phenomena the three-quarters repelling force. Other examples of the three-quarters repelling force are as follows. Have you ever seen a fight which has a bunch of onlookers gathered in a circle, and in the centre of the circle are two guys duking it out? What happens if one of the guys knocks the other guy into the circle of onlookers? They shove him back in, right? A three-quarters repelling force. Or, we could take a golf ball, walk outside with a yardstick, find a hard surface, hold the golf ball even with the top of the yardstick, and drop it. Guess how high it will bounce back up? Three-quarters of the way or to 27 inches. Note, a super ball may bounce higher, a tomato not so much. Then it would fall from 27 inches and bounce back up to 20.25 inches. Again, 3 quarters of 27. We would see it repelled at the bottom but cancelled at the top. Why? Because there is no repelling force at the top, just gravity, which stops its motion. But, 
at the bottom, it gets repelled. That is, nature shoves things back into the game. Note, a ball's bounciness depends on its coefficient of restitution, and golf balls differ, as do hard surfaces, but you get the point. OK, back to the diagram. How far did Doe 48 make it up before it got stopped? 16. Right, it made it up 16. 6 plus 6 plus 4. And how far did Doe 48 make it down before it got stopped? 16. Yep, 3 plus 5 plus 4 plus 4. Again, 16. Draw a sine wave on the diagram. Start at 48, go up to 64, then back to 48, and continue down to 32, and back up to 48. Voila! A perfect sine wave. 16 up and 16 down, with its centre at DOE 48. Congratulations! You have found the oscillation. It is bound by what Mr. Smith calls the two ends of a symmetrically distanced denying force, the FARs. Note, the FAR-to-FAR -far oscillation is the DOE-to-DOE -do octave of that symmetrically distanced denying force, meeting at six out of eight notes. Wow! As Mr. Smith often says, one man's oscillation is another man's octave. Okay. If DOE 48 exists in a place of harmonic stability, then so does DOE 96. Thus, there are two places of harmonic existence within every octave. This duality, that is, these two places of harmonic existence, stay forever separate, but are bound together within a common structure. Draw the two sine waves on the diagram called Mathematics of the Duality, which we introduced in our last podcast. Now, you can see why protons remain protons and neutrons remain neutrons, yet are bound together in the nucleus of an atom. Or, how a man and a woman maintain their own identities, yet are bound together in the unionship of marriage. As Professor David Goodstein said, Matter is bound together in webs of harmonic stability. Fortunately, we were able to discover that harmonic stability in the structure of an octave, and now know why the universe is packaged in groups of two. That is, why there are up quarks and down quarks, two electrons in every orbital, protons and neutrons, carnivores and herbivores, plants and animals, and males and females, etc. We even know why the proton is positive and the neutron is neutral, and why one oscillation takes dominance over the other. For example, if an atom has two protons in its nucleus, what element is it? Helium. Correct. If an atom has two neutrons in its nucleus, what element is it? Helium? No. Incorrect. It could be hydrogen with two added neutrons, or perhaps carbon with four missing neutrons. Why? 
because it is the number of protons in its nucleus that determines the element, not the number of neutrons. Thus, the oscillation at so, compared to the oscillation at me, is dominant. This can clearly be seen in every duality. Dominant genes versus recessive genes, man versus woman, and carnivores versus herbivores. It can even be seen in the orbitals of an atom. If an atom's energy shell has five orbitals, each of those orbitals will get two electrons. However, scientists do not know in which orbital the first electron will go. Let's say it goes into orbital A. Now, they know one thing. The next electron will never go into orbital A. So, let's say it goes into orbital C. Now, they know two things. The next electron will never go into orbital A or into orbital C. So, let's put it in orbital E. Now, they know three things. The next electron will never go into orbital A, into orbital C, or into orbital E. So let's put that one into orbital D. Now they know five things. The next electron will never go into orbital A, into orbital C, into orbital E, or into orbital D, and therefore must go into orbital B, because that's the only orbital left. Thus, the rule for this duality is each orbital gets one electron before any orbital is allowed to have its second electron. Then, after all five orbitals have one electron, the following electrons can enter any orbital they wish until all the orbitals receive their second electron, becoming a duality. Okay, moving on. Mr. Smith calls the two oscillations the major oscillation and the minor oscillation. The major oscillation is called the major oscillation for four reasons. First, it is bigger. If it has a length of 64, the minor oscillation will have a length of 32, half as big. Second, the major oscillation has its ends, its fars, tracing back to the notes la and far of the previous scale. Thus, it is more conspicuous. Third, the major oscillation is centred in the octave. That is, it occupies the middle third of an octave emanating from the so. Fourth, the major oscillation reveals another inner halving in the diatonic mathematics of the octave, a halving which occurs between la two-thirds and fa one-third, identifying the octave of the symmetrically distanced denying force. Although the major oscillation is dominant, the minor oscillation is superior. G said, Night is superior to the day, and women are superior to men, which is why men pursue them and fight for them, because if they win, the female might just choose them to be her champion, and allow them to dominate her. So, make no mistake, women are superior. Okay, one more thing. Let's suppose that the major oscillation has a length of 16. On the diagram, which has the labels major oscillation and minor oscillation, put the number 16 in the top oscillation, to the right of the words affirming force.
Okay, if the major oscillation is 16, how big would the minor oscillation be? 8. Half as big. Correct, it would be 8. Put the number 8 in the bottom oscillation, to the right of the words affirming force. Together, both oscillations total how much? 16 plus 8, 24. Draw a line across the page, just below the oscillation of 8, like you draw at the bottom of a mathematics problem. Then, add 16 plus 8 and place the answer, 24, below the 16 and 8, under that line. OK. How many hours are in a day? 24. How many hours do you spend awake? 16. How many hours do you spend asleep? 8. Eureka! Now, draw a line through far 64 separating the two oscillations. Then draw the major oscillation sine wave, 96 up to 128, down to 64 and back up to 96. And the minor oscillation sine wave, 48 up to 64, down to 32, and back up to 48. If you can, draw them in different colours. Now, look at the diagram. When you do, you will see we spend our entire lives traversing back and forth between two oscillations. We have an oscillation of awake, that does not impinge on the oscillation of sleep, and we have an oscillation of sleep that does not infringe on the oscillation of awake. Amazing stuff. It is called the cosmic dance of life. We spend two-thirds of our lives awake and one-third of our lives asleep. Two-thirds to one-third. The same model as in everything. Trees keep their leaves for eight months and lose them for four months. Again, a two-to-one ratio. I repeat, it is the cosmic dance of life. If we defined a person's life, would we define it by their major oscillation, the 16 hours they are awake, or by their minor oscillation, the 8 hours they are asleep? Of course, by their major oscillation. Major oscillations rule except when it comes to wives. That does it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about the subjects and exercises we've been covering in these talks, including the book and guide that underpins it all, which is available for PDF download and also gives you access to an ultimate exercise that is able to objectively wake people up, you can find us at the website thedogteachings.com That's T-H-E D-O-G-T-E-A-C-H-I-N-G-S dot com. There, you can also obtain Mr. Smith's diagrams of the structure, listen to other talks, as well as learn all the mathematics that supports them, and much, much more. And you will have real-time access to the materials we discuss. That's thedogteachings.com. Goodbye. Until next time.